like to wait to see how things turn out. If you apply some pressure, I like to wait and see how things turn out. Welcome to Britpop Banter. My name is Kevin. And I'm Leslie. This is the last episode of season two. What happened after Britpop with some of the bands and albums? Twitter and Facebook at Britpop Banter. Or just email us, BritpopBanter at gmail.com. All views expressed in this podcast are 100% our own. While we poke fun at some bands and artists, we appreciate the talent and sacrifice to create these albums. Last episode, Snow Patrol. Yeah. How'd you feel? going to look up the thesaurus again. <laughs> Fine. Adequate. Adequate. Reasonable. Acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's fair. And look, it, it is, you know, as we've sort of gone through this, there's a theme come out of the albums we've covered, right? A musical yes. theme. Um, Which I wanted to discuss at the end, because I was going to get you to say, because you always start it by saying, what happened after Britpop? And I want to summarise that... We finished it. Not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, quickly, that's just my summation. Well, I don't want to... Let's... Okay. But that's it. Right. Some things happened. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is the last uh, episode for a little while. Just quickly touch on it. Things are a bit mental here at the moment for both me and you. Um, both of us in, in pretty busy jobs that are bringing people back into the workplace. Yes. Uh, which, is, which is exciting, scary and hard. Really yeah. hard. How's your? You've, you've been. You're. I think you're a week ahead of me, aren't you? In terms of we bring people back this yeah, coming week. We had people back last week. How'd that go? It went fine. It was nice, nice seeing people. Yeah. Go yeah. wear a mask though. Yeah, yours is a bit different. You're you're forcing people. So you end up just going outside to have a meeting. Ah, oh, okay. I walked around this there's a park across from the office. I walked around that about a hundred times. Do you want to have a meeting? I was, oh god. <laughs> so it's nice. It was just face to face is better. There was a couple of conversations I had to have last week that were not easy. And they are so much better face to face than yeah. over a computer. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think it, it. I mean, I look. I think productivity is going to suffer for a while while everyone sort of catches up with with everyone because they haven't seen each other. All right, seven, dictator. God. Seven or eight months. I mean, I'm talking about my own God, as well. I'm glad you're not my boss. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> but we're taking we're easing people in two days a week at the moment, um, so there's a balance between the work. There's an easy transition, hopefully, for people. Um, you the same, or is it that everyone's back? No, it's like uh, the, um, each team has a day that they come in. Nice, it's only that's one good. Day. That's and good. then you can actually choose if you want to come in other times. That's So everybody was allocated a date. So I got Wednesday. Okay. Um, that's my day too. <laughs> I like Wednesday, middle of the week. Monday and Wednesdays for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So that's that's been a month. I literally just got on and telling you that I think I've sold my house as well, which has been... Boom! A really uh, stressful thing, obviously, with work, with COVID, you know, everything. So I think we found some people to buy our house, which is awesome. So we'll... You just need to find one now. I need to find a house. Yeah. I can't... So we have been looking and there is nothing worse in life than looking for houses. Yeah. I mean, really. Really. I mean, I, it's probably second... I've given up. To... Oh, <laughs> second Until to... after Christmas because it's boring. And it's just... The houses are packed at the moment. There's heaps of people going through houses at the moment. Heaps. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, the whole, sorry, there's too many people in the house at the moment. Can you please wait? And you're like, oh, and then it's the distance and thing. And then there's real estate agent pressure. And then it's just, 
I just, I think I'd rather buy a car. And you know my thoughts on buying a car. Yeah, so, it's just boring. Yeah, so we are, um, fingers crossed, we'll have that sorted this week. And then we sort of know how much, roughly, cash we've got to go with and where we can sort of buy a house. But we're going to live near each other. We are. That's we awesome. are. Maybe you should get a buyer's agent. To find out for me? Yeah. How much do they cost? Not that much. Well, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. I know, that's what I was thinking too, because I was like, imagine that. I honestly feel that everything in life, you can get if you put throw money at it. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of that. <laughs> like, honestly, there is. Think of yeah. everything you don't like doing, yeah. bet you someone will do it for you. Yeah, that is true. That is a good point. Uh, yeah, I like your thinking. 100%. Actually. Moving house, somebody will pack your stuff for you. Oh, yeah. Another day. They'll buy house. you a house. They'll find you a house. They'll clean your house. They'll... Everything. I'll tell you one of the nicest things that happens. So this week I have... It's so mundane, I'm sorry. But this week, you know my couch? I have the biggest couch in the world. It's so big, right? Yes, you do. Anyway, put it on Facebook for free. For free, right? Because it just takes up so much space. I want it out. So I'm like, just for free. Do you know the amount of numpties <laughs> on Facebook that would ask the dumbest questions or be like, nah, no, 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 mate. I'm like, it's free. It's all you need to do is come pick it up. Well, can you bring it to me? But you think why would I deliver? Our, anyway, so but the nicest thing was fine. I went through a whole bunch of numpties, and then I got this really nice family come and pick it up yesterday, and they were just lovely. And it, I was just it made their day, it made my day, and I thought that was nice. Yeah, that's just, nice. Was like really, really nice. Why would you drop off a free sofa? I was just oh, just Facebook. Facebook is pretty much the the problem there. Right. So, uh, great news about Trump. Just quickly, we're not going on a 20-minute saga about Trump. Your thoughts on him? What's the great news? Well, that he's alive, he's kicking, he's doing well, he's out and about. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't wish anyone ill health, but it's not the best news I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> I think the best news I've ever had is that Jacinda Ardern won by a landslide. Oh, I didn't see the results. Landslide, Good, Boom. she's amazing. She's in. Okay, that's good news. Doesn't need to do a coalition thing. Doesn't need to join with anyone else. She's really. done. For the first time in decades. So she's got a lot of work to do because, you know, she is obviously handled a lot of crisis since she's been in power. But when you actually read about things domestically, she's probably got a wee bit of work to do. Okay. Um, but it gives me hope that people will vote for people that send a nice message. Because she's always positive. She wants, like, it's always got to be about positivity and care mm. and kind words mm. instead of this, like, nasty rhetoric that you hear from Other even leaders. Australian politicians. It's always, like, the doom and gloom and the nasty and the crap. I mean, really, Jacinda Ardern and Scott Morrison. Yeah, I know which one I'd rather um, It's been an interesting week for Australian politics as well, very, very briefly, because. I stand with Gladys. Who's right? We're gonna. Who's Gladys? She's the New South Wales Premier. What happened? I mean, she just. She so each of the states. If you didn't know already, each of the states in Australia have premiers, uh, and then obviously we have the one prime minister, uh, which is ScoMo Scott Morrison. So Gladys is the New South Wales one. Yeah, she was having some form of relationship with somebody who's dodgy. We've Very all dodgy. got dodgy exes. <laughs> She was still with the dodgy ex, though. That's the problem. She, only she wasn't with on. him. It wasn't like a full-on relationship. She didn't know she didn't know. Okay. 
I just think it's poor form. I just think if the roles were reversed from a gender perspective, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Ah, okay. And that's what pisses me off. Okay. This woman, basically, first of all, she's the only person that I know in politics that actually came out and said, oh, I've made a mistake, I've made a mess of that. Man wouldn't. These ridiculous liberal politicians would try and spin it, right, for the start. If it was the other way around, the woman would just be... If it was the woman who was dodgy, she would just get completely slammed by the press. She must have been a harlot. She must have been terrible to lead this man to think this. Mm. But not this week. It's Gladys that's the idiot. Mm. It's not. It's the man that's the idiot who oh, did yeah. the dodgy stuff. Yeah. Now, she didn't know. She didn't know. Yep. So, just go away. She led New South Wales through bushfires. She's led them very similar to Jacinda. Now, look, I'm not a Liberal voter but I do respect a politician who's decent. Mm. And she's done, I think, as a Premier, she's done the best COVID job out of a lot of them, including our federal government. She's handled COVID the best. What impact has it had on our lives, really? No, I, I, do, I do agree with We're that. We're not in Melbourne. And so, okay, so then she's had a relationship with someone, and it isn't even like they were like living together or married. It was kind of just like a close relationship. It's not like she knew him all the time. She didn't know what he's doing. If it turns out that she's part of it, then I'll change my mind. But right now, I'm like, she's probably just like, waves. Yeah, she didn't know about it. Yeah. And so I just think there's lots of things about that that bothers me. And normally I wouldn't, because politicians that are corrupt are my worst, and especially liberal politicians that are corrupt. But I think to myself, do you know what? She's owned it. She's admitted that she had this relationship. She's been very vulnerable about it. She's a private person. So it must have been really tough. She's led the state through tough times. Let's just all move on. Nothing mm. to see here. And stop the... And this is the thing about politics that annoys me. Because Anthony Albanese, who is the Labour leader, federally, mm-hmm. has come out to support Gladys. Mm-hmm. But then the New South Wales Labour person, who's clearly just got her own motivations and course, desires, absolutely. is like vote of no confidence and just being a nasty cow. And I'm like, I'm not going to vote for you ever now. Mm. Because you're just, like, opportunistic. Correct. And so you don't know the impact that that's having on Gladys as a person because she's probably, like, on a personal level hurt. Mm-hmm. Oh, she'd be devastated. Right, and she's got to front that in the whole of the whole yeah. country. Horrible. He's in court every Just day. Just imagine if you had a breakup and the person turns out to not be the person that you thought they were and you're hurt generally. And then you've got the whole country gawking at you. Yeah. No thanks. Yeah. So, yeah, I just go, we should all just learn to be a little bit kinder to people. Nice. Do you know who's happy? Dan Andrews, <laughs> the Vic um, Premier, cool. because he's like, thankfully the attention is off me, at least for a while. Until you get fired for being a dictator, which <laughs> I'm looking forward to. It's getting tough down there as well, right? The UK... He better going? open up today. He really better open up today. He's got He's going to get assassinated or something. They had two, two cases, right? I think yesterday. And the, the lockdown rules are still very strict down there. What's, uh, what's happening in the UK? The UK's struggling a bit. Mm. Yeah, they're going to go back. Well, they may go back into some semi-lockdown. Pubs are shut at certain times. Yeah. They should have just done it first. They're, yeah, they're, um, they're, they're struggling, definitely. Well, if Europe. you put it in perspective, this is what really annoys me, especially about the Melbourne thing, is that Scotland has a population of, what, 5 million? And I was looking at their cases. The other day, they had 1,500 cases in a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything's carrying on as normal. Mm-hmm. And in Melbourne, have two. I know. And, and he's like, it's not enough. It's got to be at least for two weeks, loser. Of a state of that size, mm-hmm. and it's two cases, mm-hmm. and people are still... You know, I work with people in Victoria. They're so 
miserable. They're they're struggling. I've got I've got people as well, and just, uh, Dan they're Andrews, doing it tough. Do you know what? At the end of the day, this is what annoys me too, because he's not okay. We're gonna play this. Here game. we go. Here we go. Gladys has owned her mistake, mm-hmm. and she hasn't. And the worst part is, the the corruption inquiry has stated that there has been no findings of any wrongdoing by Gladys. All she's done is be hurt on a personal level by a live guy. Mm-hmm. Let's just move on there. Yep. She's owned that. Yep. She doesn't have to, but she has. Dan Andrews made a royal fuck up mm-hmm. of the... The reason that they're in lockdown is because he handled the quarantine so poorly. Mm-hmm. And even in the inquiry about it, he still won't own it. And he still won't apologise. And he pretends... Well, I didn't know who was going to authorise it. You run the state, loser. That's what comes with the territory. So he's not owned this. Mm. Disaster that's caused people to lose their livelihoods, their jobs, mental well-being. And we're not having a crack at him. Mm. Gladys has a relationship with someone who's a bit dodge. And she's been told that there'd been no findings of any wrongdoing on her. And she's getting a hard time. Mm-hmm. Come on. I th- yeah, I think you're bang on. His um, office uh, got vandalised in the middle of the week as well. I think people are just, like you said, people are getting really yeah, look, exhausted. With what them. he did at the, like, lock it down when it was starting to get escalate, I completely agree. This has now been... Oh, too much. They've been kicking about 10 to 12 cases for like weeks two and weeks, weeks now. Yeah. And you're like, oh. The one, <laughs> I'm going to get you away from politics. The one thing I want to talk about, you've been in the movies recently? No. What do you mean, no? Why did you say it like that? It's not a thing I do, really. You don't go to the movies much? It's, um... No. Unless it's not Oscar-nominated, you're not interested. I just think there's more things to do with your time. Really? Yeah, like, when the sun's out. I'm more of a, like, being outside. I don't understand why in the middle of a day that's gorgeous weather that I'd pay money to sit inside. <laughs> I could do that for free at home. I don't really understand the movies sometimes. Okay. I do like going... I have to really want to see the movie. I'm not one of these people who just turn up to the cinema and say, oh, I'll just pick a film. I've got to really want to go and see it. It has to be raining. Well, I I really want your thoughts on Tenant, which is why I brought it up. Because I've seen that. And? It's fucking terrible. It's, the, it's literally the only, the second movie ever I've wanted to walk out of. Really? Um, second to Justice League, which I actually did walk out of, which was terrible. Um, it's it's probably one of the most worst movies I've seen in a long, long time. And um, I was on date night with uh, Mrs. D, and she wouldn't let me leave. <laughs> she was like, "I'm like, this is this is. Can we go?" And she's like, "Where are we gonna go? It's date night? It's like just anywhere else." She's like, "No, you're gonna sit and watch it." It's like, uh-huh. So she had, to, <laughs> she had to put up with my like huffing and puffing all the way through. Absolutely shocking movie. Shall we get into Song of the Week? Yes. Yes. Uh, Mount Famine, Pulse. Uh, Mount Famine is a band from Derbyshire with yearning vocals, thrilling rock and roll guitars and big synth hooks. Martin enlisted his old Steve friend, uh, Steve on uh, drums who recruited Chris on bass an ex-DJ from Blue Note Indie Club in Derby Rich produced the band's first single Faith before taking on guitar duties bonding over a love of old synths and dark melodic pop and dirty guitars the band are channeling a new sound this has been described by one of their oldest friends as the sound of the killers new order and blossoms all happily getting off with one another Uh, this is awesome cracking song Mount Famine with Pulse I 
Awesome song. Nice one. Mount Famine with Pulse. Les says. Yeah. Now, I've added another album in. So. You went rogue. Whatever, do what I want last episode and it's called Less Says. Oh, okay, and you was... need to learn because you always ask me questions about it and I'm like, it's called Less Says. It's called Less Says. It's called Less Says. Stop asking. <laughs> You've got no input. Stop it. Um, so we are going to cover another sky and everything, everything like we said. Right. But because this is the last episode and Travis just released their new album. They did. I've slid that right in. Because otherwise we won't get a chance to talk about it. No. And I do want to talk about it. Okay. So... What do you want to start with? Another Sky. So, not Travis, but yes. So we'll... They were our song of the week. Um, you love them. As a band. Mm-hmm. I don't know your views on the album, but you're probably going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I'm just guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and just a caveat. I'm just going to do one review each because there's three albums. Yeah, yeah, cool. So, NME. Go on. Four out of five. So... Um, the music of Another Sky has the loftiest of ambitions. Across their debut album, I Slept on the Floor, their shimmering soundscapes feel like they have the power to fill buildings and change lives and opinions. The music hits like a hurricane, mixing post-rock power of Mogwai with the soaring communal spirit and guts of Arcade Fire. I do love Arcade Fire. Mm. The staggering voice of Catherine Vincent, though, isn't comparable at all. People say I sound like a man. That being Liz, because I did, didn't I? I got confused. You did. Anyway, um, Vincent says, maybe that means they'll listen. Oh! <laughs> Ever since the band played That's their great. first show at London St Pancras Old Church in 2017, when the four-piece played Cloaked in Darkness and Shadow, people clamoured to know just who was behind the voice. Vincent wondered why it mattered. Though the mask was never truly there from Vincent's perspective, it is ripped off with fury when I slept on the floor. The album mixes the personal and political 
um, viciously with music so powerful and it's impossible not to take notice. All fronted by a once in a generation voice. Her voice, the anchor of I slept on the floor and a ceaseless wonder can be fragile, soulful, powerful and viciously angry all within a split second. Mm. And it carries the band to vertigo inducing heights. There's more radio to be heard on the slinky riverbed where Vincent's vocals travel from a threatening whisper to an almost coral peak. Previous single Avalanche then sees her baring her teeth, documenting desperation on every street corner and tackling police brutality, racism, nationalism and the Me Too movement before raging against how futile activism can often seem singing. When you hold them to account, they'll spit you out just a bad taste in their mouth. Hope does arrive on the strikingly vulnerable Let Us Be Broken, which mm. explodes into a chorus that feels like an opening of the blinds, embracing vulnerability and using fragments left behind to mark a path forwards. Let us be broken, let us be open, she sings. Let us name the cage, grow a garden in its place. Here and across the fantastic I Slept on the Floor is music with the power to shake you from your slumber. Boom! You go. Yeah! This has been my favourite sleeper band for almost a year now. Um, and it's funny you mentioned this because I played this to you ages ago and you went, no. Like, and, and, you know, I was like, oh, okay. But so I saw them on Jules Holland at the end of, of 2018 and I've been listening to all of their uh, EPs. Their EP Life Was Coming Through the Blinds. I just... I just had on repeat for absolutely ages. Then they appeared on FIFA 20, which I was just like, yes! Because um, that's awesome that they get that sort of exposure and just I get to play them in my favourite game. Um, look, they are polarising. Um, you know, I tried with you. I tried with Mrs D. Mrs D went, not for me either. Um, but, for, but anyway, let's get to the album. So we get to the album. Um, I've listened to it so much. I've began to, to sort of nitpick it and pull it apart a little bit. But the, this album is everything I wanted from Another Sky uh, and so much more. It does have a couple of flaws. For me, um, Apple Tree should have been on there, which is from that EP I mentioned. Instead, they've just got Tree, which is kind of funny. But Apple Tree is a, a tremendous song that should have been on there. The poor title track. I slept on the floor is just, mm. Mm, I don't know why. To be honest, I'm not sure why it's there. Uh, and for me, the album should have ended on All Ends, um, not only Rain, because I thought that would have been a really fitting into the album. But it's nitpicking. She has a, an absolutely fantastic voice. I love Enemy talking about all the different emotions that she can capture through her ranges. This is a truly fantastic band. Please, if you do like this, go and watch their Tiny Desk concert, um, which is phenomenal, beautiful. Um, for me, I love this 9 out of 10. Oofed. So, first of all, I didn't go nah. I just didn't go... You've got that all wrong. You were just banging on about them as if it was like the next Oasis. And I was like, you just need to calm down. <laughs> so, I liked... I always liked them. Mm. But the way you were carrying on, it was as if this is the best album to come out of the world. And I was like, it's too much, Kev. It's too much. I listened to it in my own time, thanks. <laughs> and? And I have. Right. And so, um, look, striking voice, um, beautiful album. Look, different 
it's hard to compare it to anything really. I know they tried um, in the review, but I just don't know what you would compare it to. Agree. Um, on first, you do need to listen to it more than once. Agree. First, listen's hard. Mm. Then you actually then you really appreciate the songs for what they are. I agree with you in terms of the tracks, like the title tracks, not great. Um, my favourite track is "Let Us Be Broken." I think that's an absolutely stunning song. For me, that's when I had a real turnaround with them. Okay. I was like, oh, and then I went back and listened to it a few times. So um, she's got a great voice. They're a great band. I reckon they're going to be huge. They've probably got a lot more to offer. Mm. Um, and I think they'll be around for a long time. I'd give it seven and a half. I'll take it. Seven and a half. I will take that in my nine. Um, I agree with you. I think this band deserves to be bigger than what they are. And I think they'll gather yeah. a, a lot of momentum. And I hope they do. Because it's pure talent. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, I was going to pl- play um, Brave Face. But I like the fact that you're really connected to Let Us Be Broken. Yeah, it's so amazing. Why don't we play uh, Another Sky and Let Us Be Broken? Of health, 
an amazing band's song. I do, you know, you give me a lot of shit for taking six months to come round to a band. This seems to have swiveled a little bit. When I'd come round to them, all I'd said to you was, you were banging on about it, and I went, I don't think it's great. Because I was like, just go away, stop talking about it. So I didn't actually ever say I didn't like it. I just was like, why are you... Because you kept going, this album, can we talk about this album? And I kept trying to remind you, it's less says, we'll get there. <laughs> Alright, let's get into everything, everything. With the album Reanimator, Pitchfork, 6.8. As their peers and foals and Alt-J, I forgot about Alt-J. Oh, found, yeah. yeah. Found international success, Manchester eccentrics, everything, everything. Kept refining and distilling their paranoid, hyperactive pop. Lead singer Jonathan Higgs became a British Cassandra, observing rise in anti-immigrant sentiments and worldwide tension on Get to Heaven well before the Brexit referendum and 2016 American election. The band became a cult favourite instead of a crossover success story, disguising anthems about ISIS recruitment, suicide bombers and glossy pop production. On Reanimator, Higgs has found inspiration in the idea of an esoteric give a mention Westworld psychological theory positioning that before the emergence of consciousness, humans interpreted their own thoughts as auditory hallucinations. If that wasn't a band who made a soaring anthem out of the line, it's all right to feel like a fat child in a pushchair, old enough to fire a gun, this would be too heady as it is out there even for this band. As a consequence of the quick recording, they've never sounded less like their name. There are fewer genres, hope than usual. There's some Dublin lost powers, some decadent no-shape vibes on Birdsong, but the turn towards conventional indie rock is a canny move for a band heading into their second second decade. This sparseness leads to some uncharacteristically weak studio recordings. Planet features all the components of captivating prog rock, but the insistence on space flattens the song and a groove change winds up anticlimactic instead of invigorating. There's something intrinsically underwhelming about the way the pre-chorus and the chorus hinge on the same chord like magnets repelling one another, but overall a good move in the right direction. You want me to go? I'm going to go. Okay. Um, I really, I mean, they, Pitchfork always say a lot to say not a lot. So, <laughs> but I agree with what they're saying. They do shift, the, the album does, it's not cohesive for me. I don't know where it's going. It's good, as in, it's fine to have on, you kind of enjoy it. I don't really, I can't, I can't even tell you what they're trying to do from a genre perspective. Going back to indie pop, I'm not sure. Yes, like, it's yeah it's all it's I don't even know how to say it it's kind of like I was having it on in the background when I was working and it was fine but then when I listened to it to listen to it it wasn't fine I wanted it off and I went back to another sky or I thought I'll re-listen to Travis or I'll do something else so I found it like it's fine on the background but when I'm actively listening I didn't really enjoy it as much so it's for me Like a five or a six. Okay. So a five and a half. Okay. All right. Um, so everything, everything. I'm actually a big fan of their album Arc. I actually mm. have it on on my phone, 
which is I have these selection of albums that just automatically, whenever I upgrade my phone, I just push it to the phone. And for some reason, that album always makes it on the list. Uh, and it's a good album. I never stuck following everything. Everything I, I don't know why. I just ne- not one of these bands I sort of clung to. Um, you know, it is funny that we're covering Radiohead uh, this week because the vocals sometimes are quite similar between Tom York and, and Jonathan Hicks. Uh, quite similar, that sort of high-pitched range. Um, you know, I I do feel it's at times it does sound a bit like a Radiohead album, but not as good. Um, I found the really the voice really grating on this mm. album. I really mm. struggled at times. Some songs it's okay, and then the next I'm like, ooh, that's that's. Mm. For me, this this is this album is absolutely hit and miss. Uh, I feel like the album completely drops off a cliff towards the the middle part. It does come back somewhat, but not enough. I think you summed it up really well by saying it's good background music. But when you actually have to listen to it, it's not that enjoyable. Yeah. So for me, I actually have the same as you. Five to six out of ten for me. It's There are better albums. There are. <laughs> right, let's get into the next one. Is Travis better? Let's find out. So mm. Travis's new album, ten songs. So it's been a while since we've had a wee album from Travis. <laughs> so I, to be honest with you, I wasn't expecting much. I'm not going to lie. Okay. I wasn't. Dying to listen to it, but okay. it was more out of curiosity. Yeah, of course. Okay. So, Enemy, three out of five. Mm. While we extend our internal thanks to acts making album, albums locked so frantically in a COVID bang bubble with the zeitgeist that they couldn't wait to release them when tours resume, we'd sometimes rather forget it's 2020 at all. Mm. It's almost a public service then for Travis to release their ninth album. Just let that sink in. That's ninth. a Ninth. Album. That's a lot, isn't it? I like one. Um, mid-pandemic, or maybe two. I couldn't even name nine. Remember when we talked about Travis, I went through the journey and I listened to, to all of them. How did I go? Enjoy that, did you? can't remember. Uh, go and listen uh, to the episode. I so, did. Some okay. albums. Some oh, albums. God. <laughs> but anyway, for Travis to release their ninth album, mid-pandemic, a folk pop flotation tank of a record that transports you instantly to 1999, when our greatest worry was a bug that only threatened to kill stock exchanges. Like Wild Driftwood, Travis have been bobbing about in no decisive direction ever since the man whose three million sales lumped them with a large but unadventurous audience. Sometimes they'd risk turning the guitars up a bit, careful now, or dip cautiously into electronics or pomp rock to test the mainstream waters, only to find them stagnant. The band's 1997 debut album, Good Feeling, was wonderfully raucous, but their rockiest album of the centuries, 2008, Ode to Jay Smith, mm-hmm. was also their lowest charting. Mm-hmm. Bread being buttered, thus ten songs, finds them pandering to their rain-sodden accountant, indie core, with ten subdued pastoral <laughs> men. Liberty sprinkled with Keening piano. Beach Boys style harmonies, slide guitar, and I'm sorry that was your coffee. No, it's totally my fault. Heartbreak. Few Travis records have ever sounded quite so Travis. Yet besides Valentine, a rare cool grunge pop grind reminiscent of Blur, era Blur, and worthy of that debut, it's beige, balladeering business as usual until the final stretch. Here, Kissing in the Wind almost trips over its own adorable hook line. 
The cracking Nina song expands into a sweeping Beatlesque waltz and No Love Lost wraps the record up with one of Healy's finest piano pieces and opening lines, I woke up feeling shit this morning. It's perfect, like of all ten songs, for imagining you are anywhere else but here. Just a comment. That is probably one of the best enemy reviews I've heard for a a long time. It's It's very well written. It's so good. Yeah. I read it as I was saying that. Um, I mean, tell me you're going to argue with it. I can't argue with no. it, I think. And what, three out of five, right? Yeah. So, it's exactly what I gave it, right? So, I was uh, a six out of ten. It's nice. Uh, there's some nice songs on there, but there's some really boring average songs on there also. It starts off really well. The it fir- does. It first, really does. The first couple of songs are really nice. And then it just, it drifts away. Um, Driftwood! <laughs> It feels it. It feels like a checkbox was done with this album, and oh god, now I'm being horrible. It feels like I this thought is you would have liked that. It feels like this is an album that had to be made. This was in a con. Oof. It was in a contract. It was in a deal. Ooh. They had to push it out. Ooh. It's nice, but it's not fresh. It's not new. Um, my advice, if you want to, if you haven't listened to Travis in a while, it's not this album. Go back and uh, listen to everything at once. And because that album for me... Now, there is a piece where I say this they've captured the mood really well, right? Because there's nothing overtly joyous about this album, right? Everything at once, you know, is an album that is actually full of joy. It's it's just from the video clips to the songs, I, that surprised the hell out of me, that's, that album. This, I go, yeah, it's all right. It's okay. If you put it on, it's fine. Probably not going to go back to it. It's probably not going to do that well. It feels like you checked the box. And I hopefully, if this is because of the mood of what's happening right now, we need to get out of this fast because we need more positivity from Travis. That's coming from Kev. (laughs) Jeez, we're in a bad place. But there are some nice songs. I mean, there are lovely, lovely songs here. Like Waving at the Windows is is lovely. The only thing is lovely. Uh, it's, It's... some songs are lovely, some songs are okay. There's yeah. no bad songs. No, I'd sum that up. There are no bad songs. Um, I do love, I actually do love A Ghost. I do want you to play that because I actually I do, do have think. that down as one of my nice songs. Um, I actually think it's a, because do you know what was funny was they released that probably as a, I think as a single. So I'd heard that ages ago, like because it's been a couple of months because I thought, oh, Travis must have a new album. I'm definitely going to cover that when it comes out, but it's been taking a bit of time. Because I heard that first and I thought, wow, if that's if the album's going to be like this, mm. then we're going back to Travis of old and it might actually be a nice album. I was let down. <laughs> um, the other thing that I want to say, which is a bit harsh, but I've forgotten how annoying his voice is. Like, you're <laughs> such a whinger. Like, it's actually distracting. Oh. Like, I was like, I can't deal. I think it's the occasion... Like when Fran sings a, a sad song, it's, oh. it's a. But then he does it. But that's what I mean. It's just it feels to me like, and enemy said it really like this is a reflection of the times. This is an album, but other bands are doing the opposite, and actually, getting out there, trying new stuff, like trying to give people positivity. This is not that. Like it's not a happy go lucky album anymore. Like it's not. It's. I'm not really, yeah. Anyway, yeah. What'd you give it? Six. Oh, bang on. Bang on. 
But you don't want to play a ghost? I actually do. Okay. Like, you know, because it's Travis, isn't it? I feel like some... I never know what to do with Travis. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. That's literally the Travis episode all over again. (laughs) I don't know what to do, Kev. I don't know what to say. Um, All right. Well, let's get out of Les Says and play Travis a ghost. Line by line, we drew it up. Had our feeling, threw it up. Broke the wheel and tore it up. I can't even say why. All my past is sure enough. Beating on my door won't stop. Good light, so I made it up. And I can't even say why. I can't even say why.
No, you don't. I don't. No, you don't. It's no homework. <sighs> I might as well just give you some because yeah. you like a task. So. <laughs> I do like a task. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into this week's album. It's Radiohead Kid A. <sighs> There's so much to talk about on this album. Um, <laughs> I don't know why it's funny. I'm a bit scared by this episode. Yeah, because you know that the diehards are going to come at us for this. I feel like I'm probably going to be controversial. I don't know if I'm going to be. I don't know. I don't know. that This is a, it's been worrying me all week. You're struggling a bit. Oh, this like, is you're nervous. Is, yeah, because... All right, so the album cover... Uh, so it's a whole bunch of what looks to be glaciers um, and the reflection on the ice. So it's done by Stanley Donwood, a.k.a. Dan Rickwood. We talked about him on the OK Computer episodes and how he's worked with Tom York and Radiohead. Um, this all stems from them. They were friends uh, when they were both students. Donwood said to Enemy, I got these huge canvases for what became Kid A and I went mental using knives and sticks to paint and having those photographed and then doing things to the photographs in Photoshop. The overarching idea of the mountains was that they were these landscapes of power, the idea of tower blocks and pyramids. It was about some cataclysmic power existing in landscapes. I was really chuffed with it. What's your thoughts on the cover? Rubbish. It's alright Like I mean It's alright I could have drawn it You could have drawn it He didn't need to do all that work He could have just Radiohead just come to you Banged it out Yeah like my doodles When I'm working <laughs> I mean it's not The, the Benz he, So he did the, the, the Benz cover I thought that That's great oh, That's al- brilliant Great album cover But then you get the okay, cover Okay computer I like that Yeah well you get the And the cover to Amnesiac Which is like One of the worst Album covers ever Anyway so El- It's not as bad as Six by Manson Yes, actually, yes, actually, yes. I can't even argue that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, from Elephant Donwood has said that the idea of the landscape image came from a picture he spotted in a newspaper from the Kosovo War. It's taken looking straight down at the ground, and the image is perhaps a square meter of snow. The snow is spattered with blood, engine oil, and marked with bootprints studded with cigarette ends. I mean, it is impressive how. Artistic people get their ideas and are able to take that and go yep. on. <laughs> <laughs> this picture he explained reminded him of seeing museum museum exhibits of war atrocities. There's not so much explicit violence here, though, just the odd fleck of red with a few cryptic symbols hinting at disaster beyond the snow. These are hard paintings to make, said Donwood, describing the image he was making that would go on to become Kid A artwork. They are ostensibly for a record that is proving a hard record to make. So, hard album cover, hard album. You can see. Um, Stanley does have a book out, actually. Um, there Will Be No Quiet. Tom York actually wrote the foreword. Here, for the first time, he reveals his personal notebooks, photographs, sketches, and abandoned routes to iconic Radiohead artworks. Um, all right, so the, Adam, did you own Kiddy, the actual hard CD? Yes. Okay, did you ever check the inside of it? Like, yes. pull it apart? I don't remember. I probably went. <clears throat> okay, so. Because it's just Radiohead, so it's always random. You know, you're not going to be. Like, it's never going to be flowers and fields, is it? So, well, 
for those that had an early CD copy, apparently with a black CD tray, so covered in black, apparently underneath it was uh, limited to them limited edition special artwork underneath it. I didn't like in that. the intro. I never checked, and to be honest, it's in my garage, parked in a box. <laughs> I'm not gonna get it. But yeah, apparently those that got the early one look inside it. <clears throat> so, um, what does it mean? Kitty, why do you think they call it Kitty? Because Christ, there's so many forums about this. Um, what do you say, Kitty? Like, just didn't forget. Well, what do you think of the term? Like first child. Ooh, not bad. One early theory on the album's 2000. This is from uh, Rule Forty Two, a guy called Gavin Edwards. One early theory on the album's 2000 release was that the title was borrowed from Kid A in Alphabet Land. A collection of trading cards about French psychoanalyst Jacques Lacan, whose theories helped inspire postmodernism. Singer Tom York quickly debunked that, but encouraged speculation that the title referred to the first genetically cloned child. I'm sure somewhat I'm sure somewhere it's been done, even though it's illegal. Since the album was full of electronic uh, treatments of York's voice, this inspired theorising about the hidden architecture of the album being replicated DNA. The true inspiration was a bit more mundane, however, that Kid A was a bit of studio technology, a software programme of children's voices that ended up not making into the final album mix. I don't want children's voices in an album. (laughs) I don't. That's, That's creepy. Yeah, well, yeah, so... Look, and it, depending on who you ask or what form you go to, it just there's a whole bunch of like people going so far into. This. I always thought it was around that first. I didn't know if it was like the genetic thing, but as and I always thought it was around like a new generation or a new like a, not not robotic, but like a, like the next step of humanity or something. Because even the tracks, like everything in its right place, start just the even the the themes throughout the tracks mm. and the music. There is that kind of futuristic feel mm-hmm. and also quite dark mm. so you're like oh yep. and I always thought there was probably some undercurrent of something a bit yeah like a lot of and I'll get into how they made the album but a lot of it is they really struggled to make this album really struggled and as a band they, they struggled with each other and they recorded a lot in, in isolation came back and sort of put it all put the best bits together and tweaked it until it worked so for me, it's kind of like, like you're taking the best bits or, of humanity or what works and you're creating this new being somewhat. So this is kind of my thought around the album, but it gets a lot more weird than that. Anyway, released October 2000, uh, Radiohead's fourth album, uh, OK Computer, went before it in 97, got to number one. How do you follow that up? That's how they, they struggled with this album. And then what followed it was Amnesiac, um, which got to number one as well, which I'm, I'm really... Um, curious to get your thoughts on it. Actually, came I can't to... wait to talk about that. Okay, it came twelve months after after this, so pretty pretty soon. And there's a reason. Uh, label Parlophone and Capital uh, recorded all over the place. Uh, recorded in Paris, Copenhagen, in the UK. Producer Nigel Godrich. Uh, he's worked with Radiohead since the start. Um, he had just finished uh, the Travis the Man Who, uh, Terror Twilight by Pavement. And regeneration by the Divine Comedy, <laughs> which will spot the odd one out. Uh, so he's still working with Tom York. He just did Anima, which is Tom York's third solo album. You ever check that out? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I have. It's what you'd expect from yeah, a Tom York. See, no that. surprises. 
10 tracks, 49 minutes, so it's quite long. Uh, where do you think it got to in the charts? One. Okay, uh, you were right. And how long do you think it was in the charts? 67 weeks. You're way off, only 17 weeks. What? Mm. Now, OK Computer was in the top 100 for 100 weeks, and The Benz, 203. So, pretty. It was in. Public have spoken. Yeah, it was a bit unusual. So, let's go through the um, albums. All right, number 10, Abandoned Shopping Trolley Hotline by Gomez. Moby, Play. Oh, no. No, quickly touch on that. I listened to that for the first time in ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aged well? No. Well, no, that's a lie. The first eight songs are some of the best songs you're likely to hear and hold up really well. And then I got to number eight, and then I just went... It's a really long album it for really one. Is, it really is. And I don't think I have, I mean, I don't think I got too many times down to the bottom half of the album. So when I got there, I was like, oh, this doesn't stand up as bit, as much as I thought no. it did. Uh, number it eight. Sounds dated. Oh, does it? Don't you think? Uh, I mean, look, Porcelain still sounds as amazing as it did back mm. then. I don't know, it's still quite good, but just long and way disappears. Still haven't listened to it it's good uh, White Ladder by David Gray Aww. Bowie at the Beeb by David Bowie The Marshall Mellows Eminem Born to Do It by Craig David Sailing to Philadelphia by Mark Knopfler cool oh I don't think I've ever listened to that Sing When You're Winning by Robbie Light oh. Years by Kylie Minogue and Music by Madonna <laughs> Music brings the people come together not anymore okay uh, songs Your Mate Sonique with Sky Amazing Sugar Babes with Overload Love Sugar Babes That's an amazing song Alright I've seen them twice <laughs> Big fan Was it one of them There's a story that you were just so hammered In general Actually in gen- any gig you went to At that time yeah. you were hammered uh, Ain't No Stopping Us by DJ Luck And MC, MC Neat Sounds awful uh, it's probably Garage Sounds like right uh, Most Girls by Pink I'm Out of Love by Anastasia Oh great songs Lady Hear Me Tonight by Mojo That song Reminds me of uni I had to do It's a good album that one So When I was So at work For our team meetings Like last year We all had to do We all led a team meeting But then we had to do Like about me So a bit about So because music's my thing I actually put together like I mixed it I did a mix of all of the songs in my life That mean something to me Or have a moment in time Yeah um, And that was on it Because really? I cannot think about uni Or starting university without that song Because it was huge at the time Yeah yeah And it was just It was just the song that we always put on A couple of ciders Off we go out It was everywhere It was just that song Nice That's good I love it I still love it I've got to check what happened to them. I had that album. I don't know what happened to them after that. Um, Tell Me by Mel B. Um, uh, Body Groove by Architects featuring Nana. 
I don't know what that is. Karen Craft uh, by Zombination. And Against All Odds by Maria Carey featuring Westlife. Beautiful. Uh, With Westlife. That's an awful song. (laughs) It's actually completely ruined because the original is actually lovely. Oh, is it? Phil Collins. Oh, okay. Um, I saw that Mel C's got a new album out. Apparently it's getting really good reviews. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's your homework for next week. No. <laughs> no. Uh, no. I'm on my holy bags. Um, right, let's get into this album then. So we've covered Radiohead twice. We've covered the bands in OK Computer in Series 1. Should we have stopped there? Asking the hard questions already. Um, so we're not going to talk about Van. They released OK Computer in May 1997. And we talked about how big OK Computer was. However, to summarise how big it was, in 1998, Q readers voted OK Computer the greatest album in the world. That's intense, isn't it? <laughs> it's not that, but it's a bit, like, it's an incredible album, but it isn't. People get really hectic about OK Computer, don't they? We covered it in the episode. They really do. Mm. And is it as good as that? I mean, it's great. But I think you said like it's also like whenever they do polls like that, it's a snapshot in time. So it's very much what's just come out tends to flow up a lot heavier. I reckon it still would if they didn't know. It's like interesting. Uh, a new UK, uh, a new UK albums poll by Colin Larkin, Larkin canvassing two hundred thousand punters, has the bands at number two after the Beatles' Revolver with OK Computer at number four. That's two Radiohead albums in the top five. Wow. Um, York says, what does he think about polls? Well, it means nothing. That sort of thing never really did my head in because there's no way I can ever relate to it. So post-OK Computer release, they went touring for just under a year straight. 105 performances, one every three days. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, It was too long for them. York, that tour was a year too long. I was the first person to tire of it. Then six months later, everyone in the band was saying it. Then six months after that, nobody was talking anymore. When asked from The Guardian how unhappy he was, Tom said, I was a complete fucking mess. He spits, it feels like an accusation. When OK Computer finished, yeah, I mean, I really... uh, When OK Computer finished, I mean, I was really, really ill. Do you know why? Just going a certain way for a long, long, long time and not being able to stop or look back or consider where I was at at all for like 10 years and not being able to connect with anything, basically becoming unhinged in the best sense of the word, completely unhinged. He does, um, good article comes up with this. There's nothing more boring than a rock rock and roll star, he continues. Someone who has been on the road for 10 years expecting attention wherever he goes, drinking himself stupid, who is obnoxious, incoherent, uncreative and has a massive ego. There's nothing more pointless. Wow. Know anyone who fits that bill? No. No? No one you're a fan of fits that bill? Um, Not that I can think of. Damon Albarn? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Um, it's so it's kind of here when you dig into some of the interviews you understand why they changed so much Tom said every time I picked up a guitar I got the horrors I'd stop writing a song I'd start writing a song stop off after 16 bars and then hide it away in a drawer somewhere Oof. 
Greenwood also said, After the 8OK computer tour, we felt we had to change everything. There were other guitar bands out there to trying to do similar things. We had to move on. Right. I want to ask you, what bands do you think in the late 90s were copying Radiohead? Oh, sorry, late 90s, early 2000s, let's say. Who, well, who springs to mind as a, a Radiohead copycat for you? No one. Hmm. Right, so... Uh, what do you think? Well, I definitely saw... The one thing that sprang to my mind was The Man Who by Travis was, was a clear copycat. But that was the same producer. So how much can you tie into that? But what was that copycat of? Well, it was the sound. Like, look at... The Man Who? Yes! Writing to reach you. It's it's very look. You had uh, good feeling, and then you had the man who, with Nigel in the middle producing it. It's very clear. There's a connection between the two. But anyway, uh, Muse comes up a lot. Oh, can I talk about Muse? Go on. So, as always, Kev suggests things because someone <laughs> had, because someone had suggested. Oh, you know, you've not covered Muse. Can I tell you why we're not covering Muse? Oh no. Can I really do it? Oh, because they're shit. They're not. So the reason we're not covering Muse in this series is because it doesn't fit and I don't like them. And they were overplayed, pompous, poor rock music. So for anyone who's in any doubt or wondering why we haven't covered Muse, <laughs> there we go. No, so, so they were on the list. So there was a list of, of bands and albums that we were still to cover, right? They were on the list along with others like Block Party, The Libertines. Uh, there was an R couple. But anyway, we, we've just cut it, right? So I think it's... We wouldn't have covered Muse anyway. Just FYI. The rest potentially. There's some of... Like, you know, Elbow, <laughs> they're probably a band that we didn't talk about. Elbow were on the list. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Elbow so were on fit, there. But Muse were never getting on there. I was never having an episode about Muse. So... I just don't like them. I don't get it. I don't even know what genre it is. Like, shit space rock. I don't know. But... So, anyway... Radiohead. <laughs> Fucking hell, Liz. Although, I would have gone into bat for it. I'm not sure I probably would have won that, no, given your you harsh not. view. Uh... i never got Muse. I'm sure they're fine. The talent, fine. I've just never got it. I've tried. Loads of people loved them at the time. I actually think I bought an album. thought, oh, this bat, no. Didn't get it. Right. Uh, Coldplay. So this is not my thoughts. This is other people's thoughts. Coldplay copying Radiohead. <laughs> That's like me copying Beethoven. <laughs> uh, oh, I've got a story to tell you about Coldplay. So... Oh, so um, that, you were going to say, I've got a story about Beethoven. I was like, ooh. I don't. <laughs> so you know how we did all of the Coldplay albums and we went through them? Yes. And then there's the one... Oh, I've forgotten. It's the one that's got uh, magic on it. What's the album called? The Blue Cover. You keep talking. Um, that album. Right. And so I've realised what that album's good for. Baths. <laughs> what do you mean, baths? So I was, for the last week or so, I've been struggling to sleep. And it's not like me. I'm usually very... Ghost stories. Ghost stories. So I'm usually a very good sleeper. But I just haven't, and I don't know why. So I bought these bath salts, you know, like relaxing, bit of lavender, magnesium. I thought, you know, I'll have a bath. So I brought my little speaker in and thought I'll put some music on. 
So I kind of did like a random like shuffle thing, like Spotify, sort of scrolled about, hit an album, what am I going to listen to, kind of, and then it was that album that came up, and okay. I thought, all right, let's have a wee listen. Perfect music for a bath. <laughs> so... I don't think that came up in any of their reviews at the time. Seriously, I'm not lying. Have a bath with some relaxing bath salts. If you're needing to unwind, put Ghost Stories by Coldplay on. It's like they were made for each other. If I was a bath salts company, I would sell it with a copy of Ghost Stories. <laughs> That's how they should have marketed that album. Just try it. Everyone out there, go and have a bath. Nice bath salts. Put on Ghost Stories. You'll come out the most relaxed you've been. Yeah, someone that actually try that. And, and I swear to God. Wow. I've been dying to talk about that. That happened last week. <laughs> that one to myself. That one. All right. Okay. How do you pronounce that one? Oh, <gasps> Sigur Ross. That is crazy talk because they are. I meant to talk about them. I listen. Okay. Oh my God. So, anyway, their album. I, I can't even say it. It's called Agitas Byron, and it's got a blue cover, and it's got like a fetus on it, like a baby. Okay. And it is one of my all-time favourite albums. It's incredible. Wow. It's a piece of genius. It's sometimes what I think Radiohead wanted to be. The other way around. Not I'm being controversial. They they sing in Icelandic. You don't know what they're going on. That album for me. Like, my mates at uni used to call it fetus up music, and it would be, like, my album that I would always, like, if it'd been a big night, you come home, you put that album on. Next day, same deal. And it is just an incredible piece of work. So last night, I was like, oh, I'll have one more quick listen to um, Kid A, just got to get my thoughts and check. Yeah, yeah. And then, for some reason, I don't know where it came from, um... I was like, oh, Seager Ross. I don't, maybe it came up saying, listen to this instead. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Don't know. And so I put that on, and it has been years since I listened to that. What an incredible piece of art. Wow. That album, for me, I'd give it a 10. I need to listen to it. Wow. Yeah, it's hard work. You've got to find the right time. I don't know if a bath would be the right time, but certainly <laughs> it is... Yeah, you're right. Seager Ross, like... They are, I saw them live, not actually, I saw them live on the TV, and they use, like, like violin bows on guitars, like, they're out there. They're, oh, incredible. Okay. Uh, other Lives. Heard of them? The National. Oh, no. I've, mm, I saw that and I went... Seager Ross, yes. National. No, because they've always been a bit... They've yeah. got their own sound. Yeah, that's what I thought. You, you heard of, the, of a band called Mew, M-E-W? No. Okay, cool. All right, so let's crack on. So Borrowed Heavily, I've, I've, there's a, a great article about this in Record Collector magazine. Um, so I've borrowed a bit from there. Thank you. So returning home from the touring, Tom brought the entire back catalogue of the Warp imprint and began to immerse himself in the fractured electronic works of Otecra, Boards of Canada, LFO and Aphex Twin. Oh, I love Boards of Canada. That would send you into a spiral, wouldn't it, listening to all of those? And Aphex you can see twin. why. Forgot about them. Mm. Uh, this wasn't loved by everyone, so Johnny Greenwood had his misgivings. 
Uh, a lot of stuff on warp I didn't like, he told writer Nick Kent. It was really cold, but that was exactly why Tom liked it. Um, there was no emotional baggage attached to it. Rayhead finally reconvened in a Paris studio on 3rd of Feb 1999, two months after playing a one-off headlining show at the Palais Omnisports de Paris-Bercy. I don't know if my friends is any good. As part of a concert organised by Amnesty International to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Declaration of Human Rights. Radiohead being Radiohead, their month in Paris was marked by crippling self-doubt and an unspoken tension that they would not begin to resolve until later in the year. So after a difficult month in Paris, Radiohead up sticks for Medley Studios in Copenhagen, which seemed at the time to yield little more than two more weeks of false starts and recriminations. It was, O'Brien admitted, a pretty horrendous time, by the end of which the band had filled dozens of reels of trip without fi finishing a single song. In April, they decided to start again at a location much closer to home, Batsford Park, a 17th century mansion in the Cotswolds where they would remain until the summer, but while these sessions would be sporadically productive, they were decidedly unfocused. How's about that? 17th century mansion. Be amazing. It's pretty cool to have that sort of pool. Yeah. Just go there and make an album. Can't be bad. It's going to be haunted though, you know that. No, there's no such thing as ghost care. Come on. Uh... Oh God. I'm not going down this, but there is. At one... not. <laughs> At one point, Tom put up a board listing the various contenders for the new record. 60 titles. 60? Oofed. Ranging from fully formed songs such as I Will and Knives Out to barely coherent sketches, including some that the other band members hadn't even heard yet. O'Brien would later wonder whether York enjoyed the perverse delight of adding to the board while drummer Phil Segway, feeling increasingly peripheral, found the ever-lengthening list scarily off-putting. You would, wouldn't you? Yes, you would. You would. Like, imagine you're in a band, your mate just rocks up, just keeps adding to it, list after list. I just look at it and just go, that's just a lot of work. That is a lot of work. And maybe the ramblings of a madman as well. You'd be like, what are you putting up there? Yeah. I mean, even the, the titles themselves are a bit out there. Imagine 60 of them. You'd be like, what, what, are, you are, you what are you going on about? Yeah. You've been in this mansion too long. Yeah. Uh, there were some moments when they knew they had something. In the spring, York bought a baby grand piano and promptly wrote two tunes that would become cornerstones of the new Radiohead. Everything in its right place and Pyramid Song. I'm a terrible piano player, so everything was a novelty. The less you know about an instrument, the more you get inspired by it. I mean, kudos to him. Absolutely. I mean, that's incredible. In June, Tom and Johnny made their first public appearance of the year with a six-song set list in Amsterdam at Free Tibet, a kind of indie live in a kind of a kind of indie live aid taking place on four continents at the same time. York opened with the solo piano rendition of Pyramid Song, which was called Nothing to Fear, which is nothing like the Radiohead of old. Uh, can we talk about Pyramid Song very quickly? Yes. What's your thoughts on it? Love it. Did you like it when it first came out? Yes. I hated it. Oh. Now, the interesting thing about this album is there was no singles off Kid A, which I'll get to later. No mm -hmm. singles. So, bearing in mind, the first single, per se, that I saw post-OK Computer was Pyramid Song on Top of the Pops. And I remember sitting there going... What is happening? And I just, I just hated it. I I'm looking forward to talking about it. Absolutely 
hated it. Um, I don't know, obviously, but at the time I was just like, no, this is so far from where I want Radiohead to be. Really? Mm. That would be in my top ten Radiohead songs. I don't think it would be in mine. It'd be close. Don't think it'd be mine. Um, so the real thinking behind Kid A was when they were sitting down watching together the three-part Channel 4 documentary series, The Hip Hop Years. Right, get this. Radiohead listened intently as producer Hank Shockley described the making of Public Enemies, It Takes a Nations of Millions to Hold Us Back. Public Enemy have a new album, by the way. Oh. Mm-hmm. Chuck would be on one turntable, Eric would be on a drum machine hitting the little fills, and I would be in the sampler. It was just noise, but we would tape it all, and then there would be this one point in that whole tape that we found a groove that was crazy, and that's what we would use as the foundation of the song. Which is true. Ooh. Um, the method was not dissimilar to the way two of Radiohead's favourite bands, Can and Talking Heads, worked. The latter group's remaining light remained a key influence. When they made that record, they had no real songs, Tom told The Wire. David Byrne turned up with pages and pages and just picked stuff up and threw bits in all the time. That's exactly how I approached Kid A. So yeah, there's no real... And you get that through the lyrics. Like, I mean, you get that through the sounds... But you get it through the lyrics. 100%. It's just stuff thrown together. Oh, who knows what's going on sometimes. <laughs> who knows what's going on? Uh, in a re- I really like this quote with Select. A lot of songwriting now isn't really about songwriting at all. It's about editing, building up a lot of material, then piecing it together like a painter. I mean, is that. Do you think that's creative or just. I mean, obviously. Or random. But, yeah. It depends on what. I mean, it is. Well, uh, it's a different kind of creative. I mean, the norm, like if you think of the makeup of a normal song, it's usually there's a there's a theme behind the song. So it's like I want to write a song about blah. Mm. So then I'm sure then lyrics come, and then there's like a chorus, and then there's a verse, and then there's a bridge, and then they think about chords, and then there's production, and it probably goes around. But I feel with Radiohead, you don't know what comes first, mm. and you don't know how it all came together, and even when you read interviews and stuff, they can't even really articulate it themselves. No, well. no. So, in some ways, it is it is creative because it's they're a band. This is the thing, like like love them or hate them, because they're polarizing. You cannot ever deny that they have always just done what they've wanted to do mm-hmm. they've never made albums because they feel that that's going to be critically or mm-hmm. is going to sell tons they mm-hmm. just make them mm-hmm. because that's how they want to make them mm-hmm. there are no bands yes you could talk about bands that maybe tried to copy but there is no band like them no they stand out on their own I wouldn't even know a genre to put them in really let's be legit I mean we put them in the, obviously the, we put them in Britpop at the very beginning because they were out at that time but if we were to actually sum up their career, all nine albums, what would you... <laughs> where would you file them? It's like, not, e- not easy listening. Yeah. So I think with that, I think they are one of the most creative bands to have ever lived. I'm going to... I want you to... Um, so we'll get to the end, and I want you to tell me where Radiohead sit from a legacy perspective. Right? So where... Mm-hmm. How big do you think their stamp or their legacy or like what do you when if Radiohead disband or something unfortunately happens, which obviously we don't want to happen, but if something does, where do you think how do you think Radiohead will be remembered? Right? So, so what? 
Oh, now? No, no, no. no. Take some time. It's a big question. How big are Radiohead, essentially? And what legacy have they left? Right, so apparently there was a period where all Radiohead did play with electronic tools and experiments with live sounds, such as in November when an eight-piece horn section turned up to, quote, blow their stuff on the national anthem, which I can't wait to talk about either. He, Tom York wrote the baseline to that as a teenager. He'd been trying to piece it into their albums for ages, and finally he was able to do it. Yeah, well... I know. Quote, they didn't want normal session players as they thought it was important that we improvise responsively to the track, Mark Lockhart. He was the saxophonist, said. They said this was the first time they played with proper musicians, which was extremely flattering and made us all feel very, very comfortable. Imagine just going in, Vlad. Just bringing a brass band. Hi, we're Radiohead. Look, we're going to play a song. Can you just... Free lip. Go do whatever. We're just going to record it see what happens. Wow. Be awesome. That would be very, very cool, right? Um, So also the band spent an amazing day working with John Lubbock and the Orchestra of St. John's in Dorchester Abbey, a place with the most amazing acoustics. I think Nigel was totally blown away by the whole sound of it. Just as pleasing was the way that the orchestra responded to Greenwood's work in the past, his attempts to get a group of violin- violinists to generate white noise, as used by the composer Christoph Penderecki, had been met with stifled laughter and amusement, but this time the players were much more open-minded and enthusiastic. Imagine trying to keep up with Radiohead. Yeah, that'd be tough. And I'm trying to explain what we want you to sound like. Um... So in November, Nigel took away the whole stuff, uh, and, but only one kitty sounded right. Other songs such as Cut Tooth and Optimistic remained unfinished despite weeks of work. Knives Out, which the band had premiered during a webcast, famously took 373 days to get right. Jeez. Jesus. It all started coming together in Jan 2000 when the band finally turned their attention to polishing off the backlog of half-finished songs. In the process, they realised many of their recordings from the previous winter were much better than they thought at the time. So have a breather. Go back. Is it that bad? Sounds good. Okay, let's go. Wow. Um, Which is funny. Have you ever tried listening to one of our old episodes? I can't do it. I get like five minutes and I'm like, no, I'm not doing this. Really? Why? don't know. Have you ever done it? Try doing it. It's not... Fun? Well, I don't know. It's just just a weird feeling. It's because it's, it's... And also, Developed I know much we've evolved. Yeah, we've evolved yeah. since then. Hopefully, we're better. Um, Radiohead finally finished recording in April 2000, 15 months after those preliminary sessions in, in Paris. In fact, they had 30 new songs in the can, enough that it turned out for two whole albums and a clutch of experimental B sides. Right. Okay. In Feb, the band came close to splitting over the issue whether to release everything they've done, perhaps as a double LP or hone it down to a 10-track album. Once the decision had been made to go for the latter, the battle came down to picking the songs. Shit happens, Ed wrote in a deliberately vague diary entry. The following day, there were soreheads all around, but things were being sorted out, I think. So, let's talk about this. Amnesiac, right? So, uh, do you think they did the right thing? Yes. Explain. Well, I can't because it's going to give away my... Ratings for the yeah. albums. Can I talk about it then? Of course. Yeah. Because yeah, I do, I'm excited about it. Okay, all right. 
Um, in July, Radiohead formally announced the title and tracklist for the new record Kid A, and such was the level of anticipation that the first rumblings of disappointment began even before a note had been heard. As the tour progressed, the live recordings of new songs were traded and debated by fans and journalists. Some of the highest praise was reserved for tracks like Pyramid Song, You and Whose Army, and Knives Out. As it turned out, none of which made Kid A's cut. In an attempt to manage expectation, Radiohead decided not to release any singles or videos from the album. Instead, they commissioned a series of blips, sort, short animations of snow-topped mountains and monster lemmings set to brief enigmatic and snatches of music. Um, sounded like a good plan, but apparently it all got traded on things like Kaza and Napstar and all that cool stuff. So it all got leaked anyway. Um, what was your thoughts around them not releasing any singles? Yeah, it does make sense. But um, it do- what would be a single? That's exactly... I mean, I don't know. Oh, I'm you've optimistic, got maybe, optimistic. Maybe. Everything it's right place, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's not a, this is not an album of singles. No, I'll give you that. Uh, so critics were really mixed about the album when it first sort of came out and they heard some of the songs... Uh, Nick Hornby, the novelist, called it commercial suicide. Uh, your thought on that? I mean, it had its had the potential to be. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom said this. I actually went into a deep state of shock when Kid A came out. I was really amazed at how badly it was being viewed. People were calling it commercial suicide and blah blah blah, and saying that we were being intentionally difficult. That just blew me away because the music's not that hard to grasp. We're not trying to be difficult. We're actually trying to communicate. But somewhere along the line, we just seem to piss a lot of people off. You can see. Like, I mean, you can see people's initial reaction to this album not going the way they thought it would. In the end, didn't matter. You know, it went straight to to number one. Um, It actually uh, went to, in the USA charts, to number one as well. Um, their biggest ever um, in the States. Tom said, we were the Beatles for a week. Pretty cool. Um, Two of the band members were split and actually said they wanted the double album, not what we got with Amnesiac. And so even the band was split on what to do. Anyway, how did the album actually do? Number 20 in the top Rolling Stone 500 albums of all time. Uh, a new, uniquely fearless kind of rock record for the new, increasingly fearful century. Radiohead's fourth album, released in October 2000, remains one of the more stunning sonic makeovers in music history. Ooh. I actually think that's kind of right, though. It is a stunning makeover. Um, I find it difficult to think of a path we've chosen as rock music, York told Rolling Stone in 2000. Kid A is like getting a massive eraser out and starting again. It is, it's true. Mm-hmm. Number one in the Times Best Pop and Rock Music for the Decade. Um, this is what it said. At the turn of the decade, Radiohead had a simple choice. Go on making albums like OK Computer and quite probably take over from UK as the biggest band in the world. U2, sorry, not UK. U2 as the biggest band in the world. Or go and do something more interesting. To their immense credit, they chose option number two. Immersed themselves in electronica and reinvented themselves on this stunning album. Pitchfork, number one in the top 200 albums of the decade. 
Whoa. For a record with so much baggage and such a reputation for density, the appeal in the end is pretty simple. Other records were catchier and better for dancing or more appealingly nostalgic, but no other record captured the complex feeling of an era in such an elegant and beautiful way. Um, so what happened next? We've got additional songs in Amnesiac. Um, I'll say my bit about Amnesiac. I think there are some real standouts on this album. I think Pyramid Song, You and Whose Arm I, I Might Be Wrong, Knife's Out. I would probably throw the rest in the bin though. And to me, the RB sides, I'm going to be controversial, I think have it down as, as one of my least favourite Radiohead albums. Okay, we're going to play that game. I have it as my fourth favourite. Oh my God, that's mental. Really? Yeah. Because I... I would have called it Kid B, but... um, (laughs) Because I go... That's awesome. They should have done Kid B. That would have made perfect sense. Um, I would have called it Kid B for sure. It's where Kid A leaves off. And it picks up again. Absolutely. And you so I don't think it should be a double album because I just never understand double albums because it gets lost. It would have got lost. So the tracks on Amnesiac that you're talking about would have got lost in amongst... Or the Kid A tracks would have got lost. So by releasing... Yeah, just going through this exercise and I had listened to their albums briefly um, just to get my head around it all again. And I thought, I really enjoy... Amnesiac, wow. and it's where Kaday picks off. And when we go in, we're going to talk about our albums, we're going to rate them, you'll see why. And just, it's just, I loved that new direction, but then I get lost. So it's, for me, I think people, people who were surprised by Kaday, there were elements of Kaday appearing in OK Computer. Like, you're kidding yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. And that's why I don't know, this is why it annoys me when people were like so. Because the journey had begun. There's, yeah, Pablo there's... Honey, The Benz, OK Computer. What was coming next? Unless you're a complete moron, you knew that Radiohead's direction was moving. Mm. Paranoid Android is nothing like anything on The Benz. Mm-hmm. So you knew that the direction they would take next wouldn't be going backwards. Mm. You weren't going to get another... You weren't going to get Creep again. Mm-hmm. So for me, I don't actually see it as such a huge... Departure. So yeah, okay. when you read all these people going, oh, it was just, I just didn't know it would come out. And it's just, I mean, that's, I don't understand. Did I think it could, it would sound like exactly like it does? No, I did think it would be far more experimental with mm. maybe the odd um, no surprises or something thrown in. But, mm-hmm. and then again, I just think amnesia just falls. The journey for me makes perfect sense. Okay. Now, I know that people may, you're either going to like or not, mm-hmm. because I think there are people who enjoyed, Pablo Honey would probably hate Amnesiac, I get that. But for me, I don't know. I think you almost need to park Pablo Honey. It's kind of like you kind of just need to put it over there and then catch it. You kind of do, but it's... then you can see that. But even then you say that, because then... There Creep, are some good songs on Pablo Creep Honey. wouldn't have been too out of place on the bends. Mm. So you can see... Radiohead haven't been as completely random, mm. I think, as people make out. Mm. It just depends on whether you wanted to follow them on that journey. Some people didn't, and that's fine. So let's talk about the albums, right? And let's go... So for me, this is how I rank them. Go. The Benz, OK Computer, Kid A, Hail to the Thief, 
In Rainbows, uh, Moonshaped Pool, Pablo, Amnesiac, King of Limbs. Where was it? So, go. Where were you? Okay. Go. Ben's OK Computer, Kid A, Amnesiac, In Rainbows, Pablo Honey, Hail to the Thief, King of Limbs, Moonshaped Pool. Oh, really? Moonshaped Pool is really good. I, it loses it in the middle for me a little bit, but it comes back strong at the end. You, King of Limbs is fucking atrocious. Yeah, it's my second bottom. It's, oh, even a, a horrible album. I didn't get into Moonshaped Pool, didn't like it. I try it again. It okay. is it is good. Um, and I didn't like Hail to the Thief. So, Keegan, my mate Keegan, who's probably the biggest Head fan I know, and we've got a review coming up from him later. Uh, his Kid A is his favourite album. Wow. OK Computer, In Rainbows, Amnesiac, Moon, Hail to the Thief, The Bends, Limbs, and Pablo. But he's like, you know, Pablo is this standalone album. It doesn't feel part of the journey. So, him would I've be I've got King number Lawrence. six. Uh, so probably, look, Wired is roughly the same. They have King of Limbs last. Consequence of Sound, again, Kid A is a favourite. Pablo and King are the last. Enemy, In Rainbows, number one, as the, the best Radiohead I album. like it. And, and I agree with you. In Rainbows is a great album. It's not the best album, though. I know it's not. Um, but they had Hail to the Thief as the worst, which I disagree with. I really enjoy it. Third Hail last, don't like it. Right, I asked you about where Radiohead will end up at the end of the day. What's your thoughts? What's your sentiment when it's all done and they've, they've called it a day? Where do you think they'll sit? So they will sit in music, um, like Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. but they're not... They will be this like genre-busting type band. They're not going to be... You know how you, like, you get bands that say, that defined that era? Or this was a genre-defining album. Or this was like, mm. you know, like, you think about Oasis and it was like, okay, Britpop, that was this of mm. this. Radiohead will be known for like, their experimentation, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Being a bit random. Mm-hmm. Um, they will have mixed legacy. Because you're going to get people that will go, it was just pompous crap. And I wish they were just untalented. It was just a bunch of noise. And they'll be renowned for that. Yeah, yeah. Or... You're going to go, they were experimental and they were of a different, they cross over genres and they cross over eras, but they were music genius, they were genius. Mm. Okay, yeah, I like that. They'll be considered musical genius that was genre busting. Yeah. Okay. All right, shall we get into the tracks? Yeah. Okay, all right. Everything in its right place. I love the beginning of that track. It's so... Um, what's the word? You hear that and you know exactly what track it is, you know what album it is. Mm-hmm. I think it's the perfect start. Um, it's the start of the track. I love the track. But just the start of it, as soon as you hear it... The, the chords. Yeah, you're just like, wow. I am... Um, I, just when you hear it, for me, you just there's, it's not a comfort. It's just to hear it and you just go... Yeah, like it's just it's a beautiful and like you said it's um, he wasn't a uh, you know a crazy piano player he was just learning this this in pyramid song it's simple chords and the introduction of that organ rather than a piano is just um, so Max Wayne this song about this song is about the conception of the sentient being i.e. kid A the phrase everything in its right place is common parlance for two eyes two legs four fingers. And a thumb on each hand. In other words, Kid A has been brought into the world with no defects, mutations or disabilities. 
The sucking on a lemon, as already pointed out on this forum, is a phrase for referring to looking miserable. What is the first thing babies do? Well, they cry, face like sucking, face like he's sucking a lemon covered then. This gets really into it. There are two colours in my head, i.e. black and white. As a newborn, kid A is an innocent. He has no great concepts or befuddled morals. He is a blank slate without malice and the only ability to think, distinguish between things that made him happy, white, or he? make him unhappy, black. That's a very good question. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. Why do we always default to males? It's a very good point. Um, but like when you go into song meanings... Holy I feel cow. like Kid A is genderless though. But genuinely yes. when I think about it, genderless. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, when you get into song meanings, people go nuts on this stuff. Absolutely nuts. Um, I'm just watching your cat open a door by itself. My cat can't do that. You're joking. No, my cat can't open a door. Look at that. Uh, right, so from Rolling Stone, the song is at least... Uh, partly based on a bad experience the band during the OK Computer uh, Tour, specifically about a breakdown. Um, So a breakdown Tom York had after a concert in the NEC Arena in Birmingham. I came off at the end of the show, sat in a dressing room and couldn't speak. I actually couldn't speak. People were saying, are you okay? I knew people were speaking to me, but I couldn't hear them. You are right. I knew I just ignored them. And I was bored with saying I'd had enough. And I was beyond that. Yesterday I woke up sucking a lemon. Lots of people saying that song is gibberish. It's not. It's totally about that. Apparently he um, he was so unhappy, he would just go disappearing. Like, the band wouldn't know where he was. He'd just walk out. Um, and then, obviously, him being Tom York, people are going to crowd around him. And he's probably not the most extroverted social guy I would imagine doesn't strike me as the friendliest uh, just he's, he's unique unique I would say I would have no idea what to say with him uh-uh. if I was sitting in front of him um, so the, the we will absolutely play uh, mm-hmm. a bit from everything in its right place probably from the get go the remix by this of this song by Hybrid um, is one of my all time favourite remixes of a song ever um we're going to do slightly something different at the end of this we're actually going to end with that hybrid remix of everything in its right place rather than playing the outro track which i can't wait to mix into this podcast so but for the meantime let's play the real everything in its right place A. Um, 
I get a little bit disappointed with Kiddy straight after everything in its right place, I've got to be honest. I know that's probably controversial as the title track. But it isn't one of the strongest on the album, I don't think. I actually agree with you. I think it's a really disappointing title track. Yeah. I think it has a really unfortunate job of, of following up everything. Um, Zumjo. It's about growing up, slipping away from childhood, from your innocence on a subconscious lie. The image that we strive to create for ourselves, a white lie. It's about withdrawal, about realising lost innocence, about hating what you've become. <sighs> Do you get that? Like no. I said, people go really deep on radio. I think you just make shit up. <laughs> um, Kid A is compromised of lines that York selected randomly by writing them on uh, slips of paper and pulling them out of a hat. So while, the, so while the individual lines clearly held something for York, they did so as individual statements rather than parts contributing to the whole. I mean, that's, is that creative genius or just madness? Either or. Depends how you want to look at it. Well, for me, it's gibberish. Okay. <laughs> look, I've gone, to me, this is complete gibberish. And to be honest, the song isn't that great either. No. It's good because it fits in with, obviously, the theme of the album. But take it out by itself as a title track. And I, th- a title track, and I think it's way below par. Best bet is the, the drum and bass at the three-minute mark. And the synth coming in. Depending on my mood, I either like this or I just don't like it at all. Are we going to skip Kid A? Yeah. Excellent, because I thought the same thing. The National Anthem. Now, should have followed up with that. Yeah, okay. Fair play. Um, Because it's better. The National Anthem should have followed up everything in its right place because I would have felt more comforted Mm -hmm. that the album was going in the right direction. So Mm -hmm. for me... Kiddie's a blip, but I think you come straight back and I think the National Anthem's a tremendous song. I agree with you. If anyone hasn't seen it, um, go and watch the Saturday Night Live performance of this. It's it's absolutely incredible. Um, thank you, Keegan, for sending that. So, I love this. The rolling bass line is just excellent. Um, York's voice is actually the first time you get to hear York's voice. The previous yep. two tracks, it's been lost. Um, this feels like it's back, back to that Radiohead OK Computer kind of feel the crescendo at the end is phenomenal nitpicking it goes a little bit too long but that's about it um, like I said he created this bass line when he was 16 it's brilliant I mean just it's absolutely brilliant um, so really simple lyrics you know like I, this is the whole story of the album for me everyone around here everyone is so near it's holding on it's holding on and just repeat it um, D. Hess, the reason that the song is so good is not because of the lyrics, but because of the music itself. Captures the essence of the song's meaning. The song's climax of the horns and synth and York screaming of holding on. It builds up to show that the song is now that song is now out of control and one big mess. Um, it's not my pick, not your pick. Nope. All right, but we will absolutely play it. It's a fantastic song.
How to Disappear completely. Another great track. Great track. Absolutely great. It's haunting, it's beautiful, with the strings, fantastic. Apparently this is a song that Tom York wants Radiohead to be forever remembered for. Really? Yeah. I think that's fair. What, a, that what, a, what a song to be remembered for. Um, the title is taken from Doug Richmond's How to Disappear Completely and Never Be Found. A guide on faking one's death and establishing a new identity. That's just so Radiohead. So Tom York. So Tom York. Uh, Tom, that song is about the whole period of time that OK Computer was happening. We did the Glastonbury Festival and this thing in Ireland. Something snapped in me and I just said, that's it, I can't take it anymore. And more than a year later, we were still on the road and I hadn't had the time to address things. The lyrics came from something Michael Stipe? Stipe? Stipe. I am the one, yep. Said to me, I rang him and said, I can't cope with this. He said, pull the shutters down and keep saying, I'm not here. This isn't happening. How good is that? Zekmet, this pretty much sums a big period of my life for me. It started when I was about 10 and I didn't know the songs like this existed. It hasn't fully stopped. Finding this has been bittersweet in a way. I didn't feel alone, but it hit home pretty hard. I didn't know what to make of it. There are still days in which I kind of pretend, still pretend to be missing. Sometimes I just want to be somewhere, anywhere but here, to be anyone but me. Jeez. Um, How to Disappear Completely, I think, is phenomenal. Uh, So let's play some of that. Three fingers. It's awful. It's awful. Uh, it's a break. It's awful. It's artistic. It could be played in an art gallery. But that's about it. Uh, it was used in Memento by Christopher Nolan. Was it? Yeah, it was apparently used in that. Um, skip. Yeah, oh yeah, it's a skip. Definitely a skip. So, okay, this is, this is song meaning. Okay, stick with me on this one. I was on shrooms and started at the multitude of trees surrounding my campus. <laughs> safety trucks at uni I then observe, observed a solitary tree that had been obviously been there for a while I decided to turn my iPod brilliant to the song and stare at the tree and developed an interpretation the trees have seen many events and heard many things through the years so therefore within all the knots and twisted limbs are years of built up knowledge and memories as the as song focuses on the lower instrumentals it builds the bass upon the tree and works its way up when the pitch changes, it seems to focus upon the limbs and fingers of the trees and knots within the wood. The song seems to be the teo, otherwise known as the unnameable way that flows through all living beings in the teos, teos? teo religion. 
It made lots of sense when I was on mushrooms. Try it sometime. Get some mushrooms, put on tree fingers and just stare at a tree. I probably won't. So, but yeah. I don't even think they could make the song any better. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm not playing tree fingers. No. Filler. Um, and then, you know, you've got that. So this is where the, the, the amnesia... You could have put Pyramid Song in there. Saved me amnesiac. I, I mean, like did they? Amnesia. I mean, I haven't found it, but was it specifically about they wanted they saw them as two separate albums, or was it? Or, you know, not that they are a corporate band, but was it the record label going? You know what? We can make a chunk out of change out of those sixty odd songs you've got. Now I'm not saying that is. Oh, there'd have been a bit, but I can. There would have been that, that an element of that. But there would have been an element of, I imagine, that Tom York felt the certain songs went together better and this and that. Because you're not going to send, you're not going to release a double album, that's hectic. So you're going to want to split it out. And he probably genuinely felt that Tree Fingers felt like this album needed it. And that's fair if that's his, they're the ones that created the album. I don't think so. Mm. But then I go, you're not just going to pump, if you'd have, yeah, I don't know. Okay. I think that. I'm glad they released Amnesiac. Okay, all right, that's fine. Optimistic. This is a great song. It's an amazing song. And I forgot how good it is. Yep. Um, this is the kind of track that you'd remember Radiohead for. Oh, I agree. The, the build-up. I love the end. Like, And that's that's another thing that, that hits me about this album. The production and the mixing of this album is better than Amnesiac. Amnesiac stands song, 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 song. This feels the flow and the blend and the mixing of the tracks together works. The way that this mixes into Limbo is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, most of the song is, seems to be describing the dog-eat-dog world we were born into, not just the capitalist economic system we live in, but the whole shebang. Evolution, the very process which allows us to exist... Even is dog eat dog. We wouldn't be able to exist if the weak were weeded out and the strong allowed to survive. I love the song. This is my pick. It's the first full song for us on this album. Let's play Optimistic and Full.
I'm worried we haven't hit your pick yet. No. In limbo. It's not this. Um, this follows on well from Optimistic, but it's not one of the strongest songs on the album. I like it. I wouldn't want to skip it, but it's not of the same ilk. Well, I'm going to make the call. We're skipping it, right? Ooh. Originally called Lost at Sea, the inspiration here derives from Dante's Inferno. Oh, God. A, bit, a book which Tom's then partner, Rachel Owen, was a specialist on. So he said, I just got really into as, all, into all the aspects of limbo, the levels of hell, and because that's quite, it's quite formative to the way we all think about heaven and hell and so on. And this song was kicking around at the time and it sounded. Once we'd started recording it, it sounded to me like some of the voice stuff on it, it really sounds to me like the voices from limbo, voices that just can't get out. Whoa. I'm not a fan of this song. Uh, it's a skipper for me. Skip, skip, skip. And then we'll get into Idiotech. Boom! Best song on the album, my pick. Love it. Always have loved it. Listen to it in isolation. Love it. This is just an absolute... The beat behind it, his, his voice. This is... Oh, I ah, yeah. love it. Do you want to hear some facts about it? Yes, please. So, Pitchfork have this as number eight of their top 500 songs of the 2000s. Wow. It was ranked number 56 on Rolling Stone's 100 Best Songs of the 2000s. And it was ranked number 33 on Rolling Stone's 2018 list of the 100 Greatest Songs of the Century. Wow. It gets a lot of praise. And by me it does. (laughs) And that's all the praise it needs. Um, It is... I just think it's an incredible song. My favourite on the album, By Some Distance. Um, okay, for me I'm hit and miss for this song. It's such a far away version of what Radiohead were to me at that time. It, sometimes I go fully into it and then the next minute I find it annoying and repetitive and I tune out of it. Um, the transition out into Morning Bell is is excellent. Um, it's actually pretty stunning actually, but for me the song is a bit, mm, depending on my mood. Benny, I remember the first time I heard this song, I had the entire discography of Radiohead on my iPod and had not listened to any of it but OK Computer. I decided to listen to Kitty first as I thought it would be the least, uh, I thought I would like it least due to my dislike of techno. Techno? Why do you take me? I fell asleep after the National Anthem and I remember hearing the beginning of Idiotech in my sleep. I could not hear any of any of the other songs during my sleep, even though the volume was basically cranked, only the beginning of Idiotech. I then remember feeling sick in my head and my stomach and just about jumping out of my bed when Tom said, I say it's coming, I say it's coming, let me hear both sides. I remember getting up and staggering to the toilet, earphones still in and choking vomit from my throat and spitting it out. <laughs> I could have taken the earphones off, but for some reason felt that the song was in my dream and I was just dreaming it. It felt like a nightmare, post-apocalyptic scenes and I, stuff I couldn't see, only hear Tom's voice. I then went back to my bedroom, laid on the floor in a fetal position and cranked the song in time for the outro where I fell asleep again. That small five-minute sec- five section of that day was the most feeling I have ever gotten from any form of art. To think that a song just sounds makes me feel sick. That is the power of Radiohead. That's not a good thing. <laughs> it's not a good thing if music makes you vomit. 
I honestly think I think it's an incredible song. I think it's an incredible piece of work. I right. genuinely do. I think it would be my top five Radiohead songs. Wow. I really love it. Wow. Okay. Um, let's do it. Let's just play it. Video Tech.
Morning Bill. I like Morning Bill. I feel like it's it's hard for me to get. I want to listen to Idiotic again. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm not a massive fan of this. Um, so a common mis- uh, interpretation of the lyrics is that it's a song about divorce uh, or a married couple splitting up. However, in a Q&A session on MTV, uh, Tom was asked, is Morning Bell about a breakup or a divorce? Not really. That one's actually pretty weird. When we came off of OK Computer, I bought this house, this empty house, and it had a ghost in it. Nah. What sort of ghost? Well, quite friendly, but it was still a ghost. How did you know it was there? You just know. You didn't say it, but you knew. So I filled up an entire mini-disc of stuff and songs and half-formed ramblings or whatever. Then there was a lightning strike and it wiped it all out. I was really upset because there was some really good stuff on it. But that was a general vibe at the house at the time, so I didn't think about it. Then I forgot it and six months later I was in an airplane coming back from Japan and I couldn't sleep. I hadn't slept for ages and ages. Suddenly I was lying there and I'd forgotten about all the stuff on the mini disc and Morning Bell just came back to me, exactly how I'd written it, with all the words and everything. It sounds about a breakup, but it's really not. It's about being in the house. So there you go. So ghost Les. Ghosts exist. Uh, I'm okay with this. Is this a skipper for you? Nah. Okay, so we'll play it? Yeah. Alright, so let's play it. Motion picture soundtrack. Good song. I don't. I don't. I don't know why it's at the end. I think it's poor song placement. Okay. Don't you? I I'm not a massive fan of this, to be honest. No, it's poor song placement. I actually think it would be better further up. Put it where Tree Fingers is and I'd been fine. Get rid of Tree Fingers, put that there. Maybe, yeah, maybe. End the album on Idiotech. So Such look, a hurrah. Yes, no hurrah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, okay. Um, I'm not a fan of this song. It suits the album, but is it any good? Not really. So I'm, I'm out of this. Um, and normally we sort of play the final track to take us out. We're not going to do that because we're going to play hybrid, which is much, much better. So, should we get into reviews? Aye. Okay. Abbey Road, one out of five. What the hell is the point of Radiohead's music? You can't just throw a bunch of bleeps and computerised shit into a, behind a whiny, nasally voice and call it music. Worst of all, enough idiots like this feel that people like this that people now feel obligated to appreciate it. Awful band. 
terrible record. Matt Takara, one out of five. The sound of a once great band vanishing up their own arseholes. <laughs> Frank and Mort, two out of five. Even though as I'm writing, I'm, I'm a fair away away from leaving my teenage years, I take it as a testament to my very being a character that even as an angsty adolescent, uh, I was at mildly, in, at best, mildly interested in this. Even so, this is probably the best Radiohead record, although the electronic flourishing mostly serve as distractions from Tom York's moping and not compliments to it. Worth noting that How Out to Disappear completely immediately sticks out as the best track here. The Eno comparisons are deserved, but then again, I don't see that as being quite as complimentary as many seem to be. Uh, Let Down. This is slowly becoming my favourite Radiohead album. At first I hated it and thought it sounded forced and too complicated. But this surely is a grower and will take you and will take you in and you will never come out. Keegan, my friend Keegan, I asked him to write it. So Keegan says this. In 1999, Radiohead were a band who had just relentlessly toured the release OK Computer, an album that excited the world. That experience left them completely disassociated with their identity. Looking to create something wholly new, they drew from their love of IDM, Krautrock and jazz. What they spat out was something that embodied that disassociation. It's a cold, beautiful microcosm from the first four notes of everything in its right place to the majestic I Will See You in the Next Life of Motion Picture soundtrack. It takes you on an unparalleled sonic journey through a world on the brink of significant social and technological change. It set the standard for what would be the beginning of the end of mainstream rock and the rise of the internet age where genre became fluid and laptop-driven experimentation became the norm. It is the biggest left turn in pop music history and, in my humble opinion, the greatest LP ever made. Oofed. Well-written cakes. Well done, mate. I want to read this because I was looking. So Pitchfork gives it a 10. Wow. A 10. Wow. It's an album of sparkling paradox, experimental yet familiar, Foreign yet womb-like, spacious yet visceral, textured yet vaporous, awakening yet dreamlike, infinite yet 48 minutes. It will cleanse your brain of those little crustaceans of worries and inferior albums clinging inside the fold of your grey matter. The harrowing sounds hit from unseen angles and emanate with inhuman genesis. When the headphones peel off and it occurs that six men, Nigel Godric included, created this, it's clear that Radiohead must be the greatest band alive, if not the best since you-know-who. Breathing people made this record, and you can't wait to dive back in and try to prove that wrong over and over. See, that's why I asked you about their legacy, the greatest band since you-know-who. That's a big call for Radiohead. And by you-know-who, they mean Oasis. <laughs> Is that what they mean? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yep, 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 okay, yep. Okay, good, yep. What did you think? What's your score? Eight. Oh, I'm the same score. And my rationale was ten for the Benz, nine for OK Computer, eight for Kiddie, seven and a half for an Amnesiac, and then everything else goes under a six. Okay. For me, um, this is an album I didn't like at the time. Same, 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 same. Did, I thought we should have talked about that. Yeah, didn't like I did, it at the time. No, did not. Uh, and learnt to appreciate it. Exactly. It's an album I've grown to appreciate, but not love. Right now, that you can't fault the talent. 
at all. But sometimes it just borders on insane rambling and unstructured melodies. But isn't that the point of the album? Is this madness or is this lightning in a bottle? For me, it somewhere, sits somewhere in the middle. Sometimes it just goes out too far into the woods where it loses me. But when it teeters and has one foot either side, it's incredible. 8 out of 10, but come back to me in another 5 years and I'll probably have it up as a 9. Probably. <laughs> the reason it won't is there are too many skippers. Like there's no... There shouldn't be a skipper on a 9 out of 10 album. No, you know? and like, so really. that's the... The, the, the issue with Kid A is that when it's when it's on when they when they have songs like National Anthem Idiotech, How to Disappear Completely when they're there, mm. they are incredible mm. but you can't then have a tree fingers mm-hmm. like it's, so there are two there are, and, and Kid A the title track for me that's exact, that will while they'll never be better than an 8 mm-hmm. because there's too many oh, tracks mm-hmm. So there's amazing, yep. and then there's. It's not even like they. You know, sometimes we review albums and we go, they were amazing, and obviously that's not as strong because that's it goes from amazing to awful. Like mm. it, there's no. It's not even album filler. It's just like off, get off. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we don't have anything next episode. We're done. Yeah, we're done. How are you feeling? Yeah, good for good. It's a good way to end it. It's a big album to end Let's sum on. up the 2000s though, I did want to do that. You did. So we've discussed, we did the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when I was reflecting on this yesterday, I thought we narrowed that down to our top 50, but in reality, mm. we could have actually done 100 albums. Easy. <laughs> there is absolutely no chance that we could do 100 albums of the 2000s. Oh, that's an interesting one. No chance. Well, we could have, because there were, but we'd be scraping the old barrel. I felt, even if we'd continued on, then I think, yeah, look, Libertines we were spoken about, I think, let's just put it out there, I don't think either of us are fans, Mm. but they were instrumental at that time. Correct. I think we could have, I do enjoy the block, like Silent Alarm, you're not a huge fan, so let's just get it a wood of. I think Elbow were a band we we should have spoken about. I've always struggled with Elbow. Mm. I think you know that. Just I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I, I should, in theory, love them. You should. Don't I just don't. don't. Yeah. Um, and then I go, oh, then you could have talked about a second album of a same band. The Coral. The Coral. Yeah. I, and se- I used to love it. And then on second listen, mm. a few listens, it doesn't really hold up. The Cooks, we were going to discuss. The Cooks, yes, they were on the list too. Now, that's a decent album. And so then there were the Thrills. Like, there were loads of bands that I know that as soon as I said that, people, you missed this, you missed that. And I get that. But my point is, we could have talked about 100 albums, but we couldn't have talked about 100 albums of the same quality. That's what I'm saying. Is that don't, I understand there were 100 albums of the 2000s. (laughs) But what I mean is, when we did the top 50, those albums that we spoke about in the top 50, Yes, there were ones that we argued argued about. on, but they have. That would have just been my opinion. Like, like when you think of Cooler Shaker, people love it, and it will always stand up. I just don't like it. That's just me. But I think we would have. We couldn't have had fifty albums of the quality that we had in the nineties, even if we'd tried. Is my summation, which tells me that. What happened after Britpop? Stuff. <laughs> I think... So what... Uh, can I take that as you... 
See, I think of two parts. I th- I'm, I'm incredibly fortunate because I had Britpop and I had this rise of, of dance music. So electronica and also DJs as well. Like that, that 90s, I just, what an incredible bubble of music. And yeah. I don't think, and look, this is the old man in me. I don't think we're ever going to see it again. No, we're not. The 2000s created albums that were great in other genres, because I think we could spoken a lot about We could have, yeah. Um, I just think that from that, yeah, I just think that that era that we spoke about in the first season just didn't, because even, let's play this out, of all the albums that we've spoken about in season two, how many do you think would have even made it onto the top 50 of season one as being as good? Like, in, re- in, in all honesty. Uh, like, really, what? I don't know. Maybe half. Maybe from like No, what would have, I don't know, not half. But it would have been athlete, nah. You wouldn't have let me get on there. Wouldn't have let it go on there. Kasabian pre crime. Domestic violence. Yeah, it might have. Um... <sighs> don't kill yourself, it's fine. <laughs> I just don't know. Like they may have gotten to the top fifty, but they wouldn't have made the top twenty-five. Like they would. Just think of the quality mm-hmm. of the albums that we spoke about in season mm-hmm. one. I know, I know. It was just a different time. I, I... think Kiddy would have made it probably. Yeah, undoubtedly it would have. Anyway, that just what does that tell me? We grew up at the right time, musically. Yeah, or maybe we just don't appreciate it the same as maybe others did. It's a good point. All right, so. We are on Facebook and Twitter at Britpop Banter. Probably best to email us if I'm fair, if you if you want to reach out to us. We're going to end on Hybrid's remix of Everything in Its Right Place, which is just phenomenal. And uh, listen, we probably aren't going to talk to you for a couple of months, so hope that you are stay safe, ride out this COVID wave. Uh, when we come back, there'll be a new American president. So the world is is going to be hopefully a much safer, healthier, happier, happier, more positive place. So look, take care of yourself and your loved ones, uh, and we will see you down the road. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye.